First of all, let me express my deep gratitude and appreciation <clears throat> to uh, Todd Tucker. And Nick Missios. <laughs> These two brothers have really been faithful to God's will. Obviously, we know that the Holy Spirit knows what's happening before it happens. And not just because he's sovereign, because he knows things, therefore... He knows it because he decrees it to happen. Therefore, it happens. Amen. <clears throat> God is sovereign. So we're so thankful to these two brothers upon whom the Holy Spirit has put his desire to teach, gifting to teach, and anointing to teach. So we acknowledge that, and we thank you for that. Their gifting and their way of teaching is very different from mine. And I say that for this particular reason. It is okay, for instance, to prefer Todd as a teacher, Nick as a teacher, or Peter as a teacher. But what we don't want to do is make decisions based on who's teaching. Amen? That's idolatry. We want to make a decision. Is the Word of God being taught faithfully? accurately, compellingly by the Spirit. That's the decision we make, and that's why we come. So thank you so much. One more thing I want. Oh, Nick Missios is finally coming with his family. We were talking about you before you got here, brother. And Yes, you may clap for him. Finally, he's here. And one more thing, because I, I have a lot to talk about this morning. One more thing. Uh, what was I going to say? What was that? How do you like that? Well, there it goes. That's what happens. So again, thank you for being here. Oh, I want each one of you to do what some of you are doing. Be evangelists for the teaching of the word. When you're in church and you see your friends coming in, grab them. And say, I, wanna, I want you to come with me to the school of the word. Would you do that? Don't be shy about this class. Amen? Don't be shy. Be aggressive for what God is doing in this room. And let me show you why. Let me prove it to you. How many of you have experienced the touch of the Holy Spirit in this classroom at some time or another. How many of you? Look. This is what's happening. By the way, hello to y'all who are on TV land. Good to see you. And because of that, do you want others to be touched by the Holy Spirit as he has touched you? Do you or not? Yes. yes. Well, then go get them. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for your class. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity of sharing your word. Father, we are glad to admit we don't have any natural ability in these issues. We have no natural revelation and insight to your word. 
All we know when we read the Bible without the inspiration and revelation of the Holy Spirit is it talked about God in some way and just a lot of stories. We don't know whether they're true or not. It's a strange book. It's a complicated book. We just don't know very much about it. But then, Father, one day, your spirit touches our hearts and our minds and opens us to the truth, to the reality. You show us who you are in the pages of this book, beginning with Genesis 1-1 all the way through to the end of Revelation 22. How magnificent you are and how good and gracious you are to do this to us whom you have called to be your family. So, Father, this morning, my heart's desire is to hear you by the Spirit to receive your word by the Holy Spirit, to believe, to trust, to submit, to walk, to obey your word, to obey you by the same Spirit. For one great reason, that you may be glorified in us because you have set us in the Lord Jesus. Father, make it so this morning, as every morning we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me put a little water in my radiator. Yes, we all know Darlene DeSherry came in late so we could say happy anniversary to Darlene. Okay, let's do it. Happy anniversary, Darlene. Okay, we know what happened there. AJ's not here. No, no, that doesn't count. He's not in here. He doesn't get the happy anniversary. Right, everybody? I mean, right? You can convey it to him. <laughs> okay. This morning, what we're going to do, we're in chapter 5. And the first section of chapter 5 of the first five verses. And my natural inclination was to talk about these five verses. In fact, I think... Todd and Nick and I discussed this. But as I began to look at it, I really felt the Lord say, don't do that. I want you to bear down on just the first part of the first verse. Just the first part of the first verse. Why? Because in this verse is contained the very bedrock of what it means to be a believer. In this verse is built, upon this verse is built, all that we know of God, all who we are, is contained. Everything that God is doing and will do. In this verse, as we understand it biblically, we will become freed more and more of the thought that this faith, this Christianity, this 
involvement of us in the body of Christ is less about us and more about God himself. This verse accentuates that, although when you look at it, John says this, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Well, that's a straightforward comment, isn't it, Anton? How are you feeling lately? Are you okay? Good to have you here. It's a straightforward question. And what it looks like John is saying here is this. I need to tell you that the most important thing that you can do and that you need to do to be saved is to believe. Do we, when we look at this verse, it's easy to interpret that way because John begins whoever or everyone who believes. Well, then the emphasis is upon us believing that Jesus is the Christ in order to be born of God. Now, if I were to ask all believers everywhere if that's the case, the emphasis is on, upon us needing to believe that Jesus is the Christ in order to be born again. Most believers would say, that's right. And this is exactly what I hope today the Holy Spirit will disabuse you of because it's backward. That thought, it's necessary for me to have faith that Jesus is the Christ in order for me to be born of God. Are you hearing me carefully? Anybody, everybody hearing me carefully? We need to make sure that we see biblically, accurately, and clearly what John and what the Bible is saying about this whole issue of us being born of God. Is it necessary, now listen to my words, is it necessary for me first to believe that Jesus is the Christ so that I can then, therefore, as a result, be born of God? The answer is no. And this is the opposite of most teachings. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, oh, my word. I need to go call Keith Collins because Davidson has flipped out. He's been out too long. The back surgeries have really done something, and we need to be very careful of this man. Well, let's not believe me. Let's believe what Jesus says. So, again, here's the question. Is faith, how many of you have faith that Jesus is the Christ? Come on, raise your hand if you have faith that Jesus is the Christ. Do you believe in Jesus? Amen? Are you trusting him? Are you born again believers? Yes. yes. Okay. I think everybody in here is this way. If you're not, then we'll talk to you after. Absolutely. How did you become born again? Because you have faith. 
or were you born again in order to have faith? In other words, is being, sorry, having faith indigenous to me. Do you know what I mean by that? Is having faith natural to me? Is it my natural disposition? Is having faith my natural heart's desire? Is it something that is given to everybody a little bit? Has everybody been given a little faith? How many of you have heard that before? Everybody has been given a little faith. How many of you have heard that? Well, you know where that is? It's a misquote. This may not be in the notes, but make sure you get it right. Because Daniel, someone says to you, the Bible says that everybody has been given a measure of faith. Then what you going to say, Daniel, if you don't know where it is? Uh, well, blah, 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 blah. yeah. Romans chapter 12, verse three. Got it. And what is Paul saying? He's speaking to the church, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, brethren, the church, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies. Remember all that? You saw the movie. Okay. And he says, to each one among you, you has been given what? A measure of faith. What does it mean has been given? That means what? You ain't got it until it's given. I used to teach English, can't you tell? You ain't got it until it's given. And you ain't getting it until you got it. When is given? Let's see if the Apostle Paul is saying the same thing that the Lord Jesus says. Why have we been born again? Do I need faith first? Listen to what Jesus says in John 10, 26. One of the most instructive, revelatory verses about this issue in the entire Bible. It comes from the mouth of of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord himself. He says, you do not believe. Why? Because you're not my sheep. You see, it would be typically, what would be typically said? Who would say it the opposite way? You're not my sheep because you don't believe. And that's what generally is understood. Oh, did you hear it? You're not you don't belong to God because you don't believe, Bridget. You have to first believe, sister. That's not what Jesus said. Do, do we see what he says? You are not my, sorry, you do not believe. Why don't you have faith? Because you don't belong to Jesus. So what is he saying there? He says you must belong to him in order to have saving faith. I want to grill it today because we must see that this salvation, this life, this relationship, anything and everything about me and you is to be God-centered. It's all about God. It's all from God, and it's all for God. Remember your three prepositions. It's all for, from, and about God imperative that you see this 
There's too much loose language in the body of Christ today about how we view our salvation and how we share with one another. We need to tighten it up. So the opposite is really preached. How many of us hear this preach? You have to believe. You have to have faith in order to. Isn't this typical? Can you say something to me? You can respond to me. I, I like responses. I'm an old school teacher. I want responses from students. Hey, England, how you doing? You see, we have been saved. We believe because we are Jesus' sheep. Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, before Genesis 1-1, God had a people in his heart and mind according to his purpose whom he ordained and decreed to be the revelation, the vessels, the people in whom he would declare the glory of his own Son. So that as the Son is glorified, the Father therefore is glorified. And when these sheep who belong to God according to his eternal thought and decree, are born physically into this world. The Holy Spirit on the command of God the Father begins to go out. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you are, whatever you believe, it don't matter nothing at all. The Holy Spirit will track you down, will find you, and will bring you into the kingdom of God. Why? Because it is God's eternal will before the foundation of the world that we should be His. Can you get that this morning? We are His because He has ordained us and has given us the ability to receive that ordination. Remember what Jesus said in John 3, 3 and verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you. Oh, I need to move along. You, truly, truly. I've said this before. You know what that means? That means this. That what I'm going to tell you is on the final exam. In fact, it's not on the exam only. This, what I'm going to tell you, is the final exam. So, Josh, when you stand before the Lord one day. This is the quintessential reason you're standing before God acceptable. Because you were born again by the will of God before the foundation of the world. Having been, because of God's decree, given the faith to receive Jesus. That's why you're going to stand before God one day justified. Are we getting this this morning? Is this sinking in? Then Jesus says, Hey, why are you so amazed? 
He says in verse 7, you must. What does it say, Renee? You gotta. In New Orleans term, you gotta be born again. And the example that is used, I'm sorry, the, the, the Old Testament revelation or type of being born again is Ezekiel chapter 36 where the Holy Spirit, God shows us what the Holy Spirit will do in us so that we will be born again. And then, of course, in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 10, remember the example, dry bones. The bones come alive. Why? Because a prophet, according to the will of God, speaks the word of God. And when he speaks the word of God, the bones become alive. And as a result, they become a living army. Remember that? Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10. You just read that as an example of what happens when we're born again. But listen to this prophecy in Ezekiel 36. I'm sorry. Yeah, 36, 26, 28. <clears throat> now, look at all the I wills. See if you see us anywhere in here as the subject. Remember the subject of the, of the sentence? What? The subject of the sentence is that which does the action. Do you remember this? I mean, something about English? Okay. Who's the subject? <clears throat> I will give you a new heart. Who's the subject? God. I will put a new spirit within you. God. You can say God. It's okay. I will remove the heart of stone in, from your flesh. Come on. Say something. I will give you a, a heart of flesh. Who? God. I will put my spirit within you. God. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinance. Who? I will be your God. Who? God. God, 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 God. Does this show you? It's from God, for God, and about God. Is there anything about me being in there as far as the necessity of who I am or what I do. Anything? No, not at all. The Holy Spirit, now love, the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. Do we see it? I'm going to give you a new heart. This is the heart of faith. In the Old Testament, Sue, the Lord is telling you, I have to give you a heart of faith. For you to do what? Receive Jesus. To as many as received him, to them he gave the, a right or the authority to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. Remember John 1, 12? Where do we get the faith? Where do we get the heart to say yes to Jesus? Where do we get the heart of faith, Edward? God gave it to us by giving us his Holy Spirit. God gave it to us in the gift of the Holy Spirit who comes upon us, Romans 5, 5, for the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Spirit who has been given to us. It is in the gift of the Holy Spirit to us according to God's preemptive, unilateral, eternal purpose before the foundation of the world that we receive the Holy Spirit. And in receiving the Holy Spirit, the Spirit does a spiritual surgical thing on me on you, removing the heart of stone, removing that heart that has no ability to receive from God, to believe that it is dead in order to give us what is called the heart of flesh, which means a living heart, a living heart toward God, a heart now that has faith 
And having received that, now for the first time, I joyfully want to and will. I want to and what? Will receive Jesus as my Savior. It's not, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh and, oh, I just hope, Jody, that you receive my son. We don't serve that kind of a God who's standing at the door knocking, hoping that someone will be saved. That's not what that verse is all about. It's a verse of fellowship, not a verse of salvation. Jesus is not standing at the door of anybody's heart, knocking and hoping, won't you receive me? Won't you be born again? But when you listen to some preaching, that's what you get. Excuse me for being too blunt sometimes. Ephesians, so we, we get a new heart. Now, this should be absolutely freeing and wonderful news. Let me say this. And some of you still struggle in this. So today be freed. Some of you still may struggle. Will God continue to love me since what I just did? Is there any chance that I can be removed from the book of life because of that sin? Well, the answer is yes, if you decided to come in, because then you can decide to go out. But Jason, you didn't decide to come in, brother. God decided it for you. Amen? Can you say amen again? We did not decide to come into Jesus. We do not decide for Jesus. He decides for us. Do we understand this? And because of that, he decides for us, knowing ahead of time, every dirty, nasty, filthy thought, emotion, you know, uh, jealousy, hatred, whatever it is. He knows all of that already before he brings us into the, his, this kingdom. And he does it knowing how goofy we're going to be after we're saved. Can you say amen? amen? This is security. Why? Because it is in the hands and according to the decision of a faithful, powerful God who will have his glory in his people. This doesn't mean you can do anything you want to do. Go ahead and try. Because the Bible said it's a fearful thing. Somebody said this to someone somewhere. To fall into the hands of the living God. You go ahead and try. Well, if you tell people this, you know, Mike, they're going to just go live like hell. and do. Oh, go try. Go try. Romans 2.4. Don't you know it is the goodness it is the mercy. It is the patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. It is the long-suffering of God that leads us to repentance. Repenting as a believer doesn't mean hoping God will forgive me because I repented. It means because I'm in Christ and I have been forgiven. Colossians 1.13 to 2.13. Uh, 
because I have been forgiven, therefore I am free to return relationally to this God whom I have dishonored with my sin and ask him, I confess my sin and ask him to give me a change of heart about what I just did, how I did it, what I did. That's repentance. Now, as a believer, I repent because I have been forgiven, not in order to be forgiven. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We need to say something when we hear what God has done. Amen? We would yell and scream if we had a touchdown in the Saints and we won the Super Bowl. This is shouting words. These are shouting words. And you may not be able to shout in any other class, but in this class, I in what invite what shouting, not shouting, shouting words. You have to say it right or people won't understand you. So this is what Ephesians 2 8 says. Listen, for by grace. How many of you heard this first? For by grace. You what? Have been saved. Lloyd, that's that's a done deal. That's finished. Through is the word D-I-A, deal, through the avenue of faith. We were saved and that salvation comes to us in such a way that God produces, remember, the new heart, causing us to be able to have faith to receive it. God comes to us. Jesus comes to us with arms wide open. We see it. We see him. We want that. We, we understand. We want his embrace. He puts his arms out to embrace us. And as he embraces us in being born again, being born again is the embracement of the Lord Jesus. And hopefully what happens when any of you embrace your children, hopefully what happens, they embrace you back. When mama embraces you, embrace her back. When daddy embraces you, what? I mean, Josh, do you hug your children? Do they hug you back? (laughs) They hug you back. Our hugging Jesus back is faith. But the only reason we could hug him back is because he first hugs us. Linda, you've been hugged. And Jesus just doesn't go hugging everybody. Oh, let me hug you. Let me hug you. And some, you hug someone. Say, I don't want to be hugged. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll go to somebody else who will. Jesus hugs all of those whom God has given him to hug. And everyone whom he hugs They reciprocate with a hug. Come on, come on. Does this make it easier to understand? I don't know. Listen to what Romans 10, 17 says. We talk about where does faith come from? Did I have it indigenously? indigenously? Was I born with it? Or did I have to have it? Ephesians 2, 8 says what? For by grace you have been saved. What? Have you been saved? What? Through faith. And not that. It's not of your own doing. But what? It is a gift of God. Well, look at Romans 1017. Faith what? Come on, you got to know these verses. Faith what? Is it in your notes? Huh? Okay. Romans 1017. Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of Christ. Ezekiel said the Lord will put his word in us. Come on. Faith, what comes? What does that mean, Cretia? It's outside of me, and it has to be coming to me by a gift. It comes. It doesn't say everybody has a gift of faith. It doesn't say that at all. I know there are people who teach that. They're trying to help God not be accused of anything. Well, we don't want to accuse God of this and that. And if, if it's really love, he, he, if it's really love, God has to love everybody equally and give everybody the same chance. That's what is said. The problem with that is it is a man-made de- definition. The love of God, what God's love really is, is defined by and in God himself. Thank you, Steve, for saying amen. As a result, because I am given faith, then Romans 10, 13, what? Those who what? Call upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. My embracement of Jesus' embracement is my calling upon, my leaning into, my receiving, my acceptance, my trusting of Jesus' will to embrace me. It doesn't mean you got to call, then you're saved. Read the rest of the passage here. Didn't have time to talk about it all. 10.13. Listen to this. Romans 10.13. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, you got to confess first and you got to believe. And when you do, you'll be saved. That God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. It says believe in your heart. It seems like the apostle is saying, you, you got to believe in your heart first to be saved. But remember what we read in Ezekiel. What kind of a heart is the Holy Spirit speaking about through the Apostle Paul? The softened heart of flesh. I will give you a new heart. And with that new heart, believing with the new heart, certainly Jesus Christ is Lord. You're going to be saved. You will, if you would, consummate or complete the embrace. And how did you believe with your heart? Because Jesus, Al, gave you the new heart to believe. You can't believe with a stony, dead heart. That ain't happening. Ephesians 2.1, we were what? Dead in our sins and trespasses. What does dead mean? Dead. How much life is in dead? None. And yet, some preach, well, what the, he means by that is this. They're dead, but they have a little bit of faith there. And if they will just believe, then they can come. You really have to twist a whole lot there. We have to believe with a new heart. Now, let's complete this by looking at the divine object of our faith. What does the apostle say in verse 1, the first part of it? Whoever, what, believes, has faith. 
What's the rest of it? That what? Come on, let's get it right. This is important. This is foundational. It's not just that we have faith. We must have faith in the divine object of faith. What are, we, what are we going to believe? What are we believing having been born again? We're born in the kingdom, and God gives us faith as a result. What are we believing? That what? Jesus, come on, is the Christ. Okay, we believe that. Okay, and that's fine. Okay, let's move along. Well, wait. Let's look at, uh, uh, for a moment a little more carefully at that. First of all, Jesus, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is the incarnational name of the Son of God. What? The Son of God took on flesh. Remember John 1, 14? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what? And we have beheld His glory, that glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnation, where the Son of God takes on Humanity, the soul and the body of a man in order as a man to do the atoning work necessary to purchase us so that God's favor and forgiveness may be upon us as Jesus has borne the entire eternal punishment for all of the sin of all of his people. Amen? It's the incarnational name. Remember what Matthew one twenty one says, and you shall call, remember that? Mary's going to have a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from his, their sin. The name Jesus is two names. <clears throat> in, in, remember in, in Ezekiel, sorry, <clears throat> Exodus 3.14, Moses is talking to the Lord through the bush, and the Lord says, I'm going to use you to deliver the people. And Moses said, what's your name? What's your name? Well, when he's asking for that, he's asking for what is your purpose and what is your power? That's the name of the Lord. What is your purpose and what is your power? That's the name. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, hey, my name is John, Gene, Jane. It means what is your purpose? He says, tell them that Yah hath sent you. Yah. The name of God. And then it's taken from the name Hosea, which means saves or salvation. So when you put it together, Jesus or Yahshua, it becomes Jesus saves. Or you could say the Lord our salvation. That's what this name is. So we believe, first of all, that Jesus, he is the incarnation of the Son of God. He's not just another man. Secondly, that he's the Christ. The Christ is his atoning ministry and anointing to redeem us from our sin through his death and resurrection. The word Christ is the Greek of Christos, and it is the translation of the Hebrew Mashiach. I think I've said it the right way. Uh, 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 let me see. Yeah, Mashiach. It means anointed. 
It means to have one pour oil on you. It means one who is set aside by God for his specific purpose. Kings, priests, and prophets, remember, were anointed in the Holy Spirit to go forth in the name of the Lord and in the power of God to do the work of God. So Jesus is the Messiah, is the English translation. Christ means Messiah. Therefore, Jesus' full title is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, or Jesus Christ. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. And remember, one more thing, it's not here. We also see the title, Jesus Christ is Lord. Remember that? No, Lord is the Greek kurios, which is a translation of the Hebrew Adonai, which was a substitute for the name Yahweh. Okay, whatever, all right. The word Lord means this. It is the name or the title that shows that God's great purpose in this man, Jesus Christ, is fulfilled in the exaltation and crowning of this man as King of kings and Lord of lords for our sake. For our sake, so that we in him may rule and reign with Jesus forever. And so let's remember the purpose. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Remember, Jesus took on, became a servant, submitted himself to death. What was the result? Verses 9 to 11, wherefore also what? God has given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, the incarnational name of the Son of God, who came as the anointed one, the Messiah, to die and to rise so that he becomes Lord. At the name of Jesus, what? Every knee shall bow of things in the heavens, of things on the earth, and things underneath the earth. And every tongue shall confess that what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Ultimately, why? For the glory of God the Father. That's why we're saved. See you next week. <laughs>